0: Welcome back to Rhymes with Decora, a podcast project of Inspired Media. I'm your host, Benji Nichols, bringing you stories about communities you love by people you trust. Find us online at iloveinspired.com. Uh, over 50 shows here on the podcast now, and we've covered a lot of ground around the region. Today I am truly excited to introduce my guests and go a little bit further outside of our region. Uh, I have two special guests on today's show. One is someone that has been on the show before. Uh, Marina Nading, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Marina, you have brought a very special guest with us today. Uh, Luda uh, Skorlupina, welcome. Uh, thank you for being on the show with us today. And uh, thanks for coming to Iowa. Welcome to Iowa. It's uh, both your and your son's first time in Iowa. Is that correct? Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Um, we're thrilled to have you here and uh, happy to have you here in Decora. Uh, the reason you're here in Decora is uh, Marina, of course, you're a professor of anthropology at Luther College. Uh, and Luda, you are here to be part of a presentation at Luther this week. Um, Paideia is the first year program at Luther College that all students get to take. And as part of this year's series, uh, Marina, the work you're doing, do you want to tell us about that real quick and what the presentation is
1: on? Sure, yes. The presentation is about um, costly lessons of war. So the theme of the Padea texts and issues this year is common good and different ways of exploring this idea of common good. And so the talk is going to be about sort of lessons that maybe we don't want to learn, but yet that present themselves when something so big as war is unfolding. And um, because we have this opportunity to bear witness to it, either personally, like Luda, or through ethnographic research, like me, I feel like um, we should share that and, um, you know, give people an opportunity to learn. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and, and an incredible uh, guest, uh, Luda, to have here and to talk about that subject. Um, I should mention at first, it's kind of a fun connection. So both uh, Marina and Luda, you both know each other because you grew up in the same town. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: What was the <laughs> town that you grew up in?
2: It's Khmelnitsky.
1: Uh, uh,
0: Excellent. And, and that's kind of in the western part of Ukraine, is that right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's the western part of Ukraine. And we actually were classmates. We went to the same undergraduate uh, program. So yeah. we both okay. completed a program in linguistics yeah. back in the day. Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And Luda, your um, profession in Ukraine, you are an English teacher, is that correct?
1: Yes, I'm an English
2: teacher in uh, school number five in Bucha.
0: Wow, fantastic. Yeah. How did you decide to um, to get to teaching in your life? What inspired you to
2: become a teacher in Ukraine? Well, um, that was a long way to teaching. <laughs> <laughs> I tried a lot of professions, actually. Sure. Uh, I was working in an audit company. Mm-hmm. I was working in pharmaceutical companies. And uh, later... When my son was born, I decided that I need to be close to him. And uh, first, I was a kindergarten teacher, and Mm -hmm. then later, (laughs) I went to. (laughs) I decided that I want to become an English teacher.
0: Oh, that's that's fantastic! Did you both, when you were growing up, did you both speak English? Were you learning English at the same time, or was that part of your lives?
2: Uh, We started learning English. At the university. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I
1: guess in grade school, right? Yeah. We were both the... taken, but we went to different grade schools. So back then, yeah. as yeah. children, we didn't know each other. Yeah. But when we entered the university, yeah, that's we true. We had a lot of English yeah, um, that's true. instruction sure. at sure. that point in time.
0: I can only imagine I always have to think that it must be such an adventure having to uh, to take on, especially the English language. I'm not proficient in any other language. I can mm-hmm. speak a little bit of Spanish <laughs> a few other things enough to be to be dangerous, I usually <laughs> say, but learning the English language has to be an enormous challenge, and so it's a fun uh, fun conversation always um, so your uh your current home before you uh, uh, got to the u s here was in Buchak. is that correct? That's just yes, just yes. west of Kiev is that right
2: uh yeah, it it's very close to the capital of Ukraine, mm-hmm. Kiev. Yeah, and uh, it's just like twenty minutes.
0: Yeah, so almost kind of what we would call a suburb, I suppose. Yeah, so just sort of, um but I was looking up and it's it's not a terribly I mean it's a nice size city, but it was maybe make forty thousand people, something like that, is it?
2: Um no, it's about sixty thousand people.
0: Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's fun for us here around the region too. Of course we're in a very rural area. So mm-hmm. decora being about eight thousand, maybe ten thousand people depending on how you count it. Uh, it's a very know, small place.
2: Yeah, but for Ukraine, sixty thousand people is like a small town
0: sure yes <laughs> because, and you're in the metropolitan you know, area yeah. right? yeah yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense um and you had been living there for several years right lots of family there and your yeah. parents are sort of there
2: i i had been living there f- since 10 uh 2010. yeah
0: sure yeah. okay yeah so quite a quite a while um and of course, your son. We were just talking before we started mm-hmm. recording, as well, who is yeah. uh, now uh, almost a teenager. But so you were—you were, came to that area as you were having a family, starting a young family, all of those things, right? Yeah. Yeah, what an amazing um, experience. I would also say that it is interesting uh, for those that have followed um, the war in Ukraine. So Bucha is fairly well known. Uh, it was one of the areas uh, where Russian troops came through on the early part of the invasion, yeah. correct? And then is also well known um, for, I guess, from, from what I've read as kind of being known as... Uh, uh, you know the Bucha massacre, I guess, is what it's being called, or you know, very, very intense um, fighting that went on there. Um, so you were there in 2022 when the invasion started. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that's that's true. I that that was uh, Thursday, as I remember, and wow. it was um, it was a really hard day to remember. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, like, a, I don't know, it, it started early, early in the morning. Mm-hmm. It was like 5 a.m. Yeah, and I heard really strange noises as it was. At, these noises I heard only in movies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We were talking just before we started recording, and I think one of the ideas that I have kind of read about or heard some interviews about over the last few years, not just in Ukraine, but in other times in history, um, is from the outside and from living in a country where we've not really had an active war on our land, in our country in in many decades, Mm -hmm. uh, outside of a a few things, um, it's hard to imagine what that means, right? Uh, Because one day you're sort of living your day-to-day life, uh, and doing what you do every day, and, and then you wake up at 5 in the morning, and something different is going on.
2: <laughs> yes, that's that's absolutely true, that, you know, we couldn't even imagine. I never, ever could imagine that this could happen in my country, because, you know, we, we were not prepared to... Uh, to have our comp- country in war, you sure. Know, that's so. It it's not
0: absolutely. It's
2: not something that we are. Yeah. We were expecting.
0: Of course, and, and no one. I don't think anyone could ever really prepare for that, right? Yeah. Especially in your own home and your day to day life, yeah. right? Uh, and I guess something else we kind of talked about along with that is just that um, it's interesting to to. To think about, I guess. So, you were kind of going along in your lives day to day. Uh, when this started happening, what did you think in your mind? Was there something that was sort of you know you have to just take it one day at a time? What did people? What was kind of the going thought? Did people kind of think it was something that would pass fairly quickly? Yeah. Uh, was there any inkling that it would go on?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, I I thought it was just um, that it will it will finish fast and you know I even like started preparing to go to school mm. I I I prepared I put on my makeup <laughs> and I was absolutely ready to go yeah. to school yeah. and to have my lessons yeah. you know even if I even if even when I heard this terrible noises outside but you know that was like p- one part of me understood that there is something really terrible happening outside. But the other part was like, no, everything is going to stop, come down. And, you know, in a couple of hours, I understood, like, no. Wow. S- yeah. It's not going to stop. Yeah. So I was like struggling inside.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, of course, with your son or family, other family mm-hmm. nearby, of course, all the things one would be thinking about at that yeah. time. Uh, I thought it was an interesting timeline as I was reading up on this. Um Uh, I think sort of what I have read, I don't know if this is quite accurate, but Russian troops started coming through as they were on their way to invade the capital. And uh, essentially from about March 1st, it was kind of said that Russians had occupied Bucha. Yeah. Is that right? But by the end of the month, the Ukraine uh, forces had kind of taken Bucha back over. Is that correct? It kind of came back under control of Ukraine, which is also amazing to think about. uh, And what would have had to have happened during that time, of course, was very intense.
2: Yeah, but you know, all this time, people were staying inside the town, and they were fighting. And, uh, you know, this time, during this time happened a lot of terrible things
0: right the atrocities that are are well documented uh mm-hmm. and that's by multiple government agencies not just the u.s uh, mm-hmm. across the across the world at this point are, are really striking i mean and we don't mm-hmm. we don't have to go into that i won't ask you to do that necessarily uh-huh. but um it is really striking i know that the the attacks that happened um and again i think in in history it's already being kind of known as the the buka massacre mm-hmm. or the, what happened there um, but certainly you know hundreds of people uh, and prisoners of war and civilians were killed yeah. uh, or taken prisoner um, and and left again uh, yeah. and the atrocities are very real and very striking it's uh, it's a, a mm-hmm. really hard thing to imagine I think from this end of the world yeah
2: um,
0: and and we are sorry for that certainly mm-hmm. um, it's interesting though uh, uh, coming out of that one of the other things we've talked about um So obviously during this time, you're sort of thinking about your lives and what to do. Uh, and I think I will get to that in just a second, but one other detail I wanted to throw in that is fascinating to me, uh, obviously there was an enormous amount of, um, human damage, but there was enormous amount of damage to your city, (laughs) to your infrastructure, to buildings and to transportation and to homes and all sorts of things.
2: That's true.
0: Um, but that there was also quite a speedy recovery for a lot of what was going on in the city. Uh, A lot of agencies came to aid. Is that, is that correct?
2: Yes that's true uh you know after the war after the the deliberation sure yeah the uh, many agencies many um many people from other countries they came came to help uh i remember I was helping to translate for the Austrian uh, delegation. They came to see what happened and I was um, I was uh, uh, like going together with them in Irpin and in Bucha and I was watching and I was seeing all this terrible things. Wow. and um, you know, Later I was astonished how quickly um, but um, how quickly everything was rebuilt but you should uh, understand that it is still in process yeah. it is still we have a lot of buildings to to restore and to renovate um,
0: and there's still an active war going on.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, yes, that's right. Uh, and still, many people do not have houses to leave.
0: Right. I mean, yeah. many, many just private residences were lost. Right. Bombed, yeah. shelled, gone, whatever. That's uh, yeah. That's uh,
2: the first, the first, w- what was done were schools, kindergartens, mm. uh, hospitals. So all this, like public establishments and uh, so the attention was uh paid to this uh but now the attention is more to the houses to people's Mm
0: -hmm. uh, sure to the day day day-to-day yeah (laughs) yeah. (laughs) the necessary things yeah uh i think i read in one other little article that i'd read with you that um did you say, it was your house spared? Was it in one No, my
2: house, my house wasn't, um, was damaged just a little bit. Uh-huh. Like a, a window, we had a damage to a window. But the house close to us was really, really damaged. Oh, wow. Yeah, they had like half of a wall was mm-hmm. destroyed. Yeah, and um, I imagine the... This... That was terrible
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I can't yeah. imagine, and of course, then you know. you know, just your neighborhoods, your social networks, mm-hmm. uh, your family, of course, mm-hmm. all of those things, right? And how how difficult that would be. Um, it's fascinating. Okay, so I usually take a quick break in the show right at this moment. Uh, I hate to break off this part of the conversation, <laughs> but we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little more about that, and of course, your path and uh, finding your way to the U.S. and how you got here. Uh, and uh, Marina, I want to hear a little bit more about uh, the paidea presentation that's happening, which I think is also going to be. Online later, uh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more. So, we're going to take a real quick break here, and we'll come back uh, with more rhymes with Decora. My very special guest today, Marina Nading, professor of anthropology at Luther College, and uh, Luda Skorlupina, uh, Ukrainian English teacher who is here visiting uh, in the U.S. and has been in the U.S. as a refugee with her son for the last uh, year and a half. We'll be right back. Rhymes with Decora, thanks.
2: This is Erin Henning-Nichols, founder and editor-in-chief of Inspired Magazine. Rhymes with Decor is brought to you by Inspired Media, bringing you positive news since 2007. Find us on stands across the Driftless, or check out our new website, or become a member at iloveinspired.com, creating stories about communities you love by people you trust. Thanks for being Inspired.
0: And that's the voice of Aaron Henney-Nichols, my wife and partner in business and life, chief editor of Inspired Magazine. Find it all online at iloveinspired.com. Two very special guests on the show today, Marina Nading, professor of anthropology at Luther College, and Luda, Scorlupina, I hope I'm getting that close. Am I getting your name close, Luda?: Yeah, that's
2: true. That's, everything is correct.
0: <laughs> Excellent. I, uh, I was actually uh, with uh, uh, Marina, you and your husband Scott, the other day, and I was trying to practice a little bit, which is, is uh, <laughs> I, 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 will not, uh, I will not pretend to have uh, my pronunciation down, but I do appreciate you going along with the effort, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so Luda, you, we were just talking about uh, your home, of course, being from Buca uh, in Arbucha sorry, uh, just outside of the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. Um, and, of course, as the, the war is getting going, as things are happening, you're seeing what's going on. Uh, was there a moment in time where you decided you needed to see if there was a way you could, you could spend time out of the country and, and, and be away from the conflict? How did that happen?
2: Well, um, some years ago, we had a Peace Corps volunteer in our school. Her name is Zoa Young. Uh, And um, uh, once she wrote to me and uh, uh, she proposed me to talk via Zoom and she told me about this U4U, Uniting for Ukraine program. I didn't know about it, actually. And she told me that uh, there is an opportunity for... For me and for Zhenya to come to you to the USA, and uh, she can sponsor uh, to be a sponsor for me and for him, and um, uh, we can come and stay for two years here, um, and to be safe, to be to be in a safe place mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, it. it uh, I really didn't feel safe and after so having this um I understood that the education the the quality of education uh having all this lessons in bomb shelters yeah so the it, it's it's not good for my son yeah so I decided that I need I u- I need to use this opportunity so I agreed and I came here and I'm very grateful for this. Yeah. And
0: um I should mention the program again, Was uh, it's called Uniting for Ukraine. It's, yeah. a, it's a federal program of the U.S. government, right? Uh, yes. Of the Biden administration. Yes. Uh, that allowed uh, Ukrainians, essentially, if you had a, a sponsor yeah. in the U.S., correct? If you had someone that could sponsor you and you yes. could come for a maximum of, of two years. Is that yeah. correct?
2: Yes, that's right.
0: Right. And you, you so you've all, uh, when did you come to the U.S.?
2: I came uh, summer 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in July 2022. Yeah.
0: So. And we were talking just before the show again. So this July, uh, your two-year time will be up. Uh, yes. And you're. Um, I don't know if I should say you're looking forward. You are. You are. You uh, a sense. Are you ready to go back to Ukraine?
2: I am ready to go back. I understand that it might be not safe. Hmm. Mm. I really, really hope that uh, that the war will be on the stage, on the not this, oh, yeah. Three, acute, yeah, not state. so acute, mm-hmm. not so acute, mm-hmm. yeah, and we will be able to to continue living, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and part of it is, uh, I mean, uh, Bucha is your home. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's uh, and it's an amazing experience to have been able to come to the U.S. But of course, uh, even with amazing sponsors and friends and people you've known in the past, it's uh, your home is in is in Ukraine. Yeah, right? I that's, mean, that's where your heart is. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's <laughs> true. But you know, I still I'm very grateful for the time I spent here because my son had the two years of being safe and uh, having uh very nice education yeah. of having uh, nice teachers and um, classmates and uh, you know having everything he needed and uh Absolutely. being in a in a nice atmosphere and
0: yeah what an incredible experience and of course the generosity of your sponsors as well that's Uh, right what a what an enormous um offering for someone that's a really a really neat thing uh one of my personal interests is actually with immigration in the u.s uh, just on a personal level uh and and that's not a topic we can go into on this show but Mm -hmm. uh, but i do hope to do some more shows on immigration in the u.s um because there's so many different levels to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But something I think a lot of people just miss on a human perspective is just how enriching it is in anyone's life Mm -hmm. to spend time with someone from another country, Uh, whether that's you coming here or me coming to visit you Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever that is and wherever that is, just that human experience, uh, it can just make um, people's lives so much richer yeah. Right, in those, in that understanding, that's a real, a real valuable thing in the world.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. Um, so the one other thing I wanted to ask, and, and both of you, either or both of you, can answer this question. I know, Marina, when we talked previously, which I will also put a link in the show notes to that show that we did uh, a few months ago, um, but you both still have, obviously, friends and family in in Ukraine. Uh, I think something else that's sometimes hard for people to understand is that the war continues on. It's been going on, you know, for a long time now. Um, <clears throat> but it's also, you know, there are certain parts of the country that are more affected than others. Is that a correct description, do you feel like?
2: Uh.
0: And I guess I mean probably in the physical sense of, of war.
2: Yes, it's true.
0: Yeah, in a, in a mental sense or in a, in a financial sense. And as a country, of course, it's a very different story. Everyone,
2: mm-hmm. everyone is
0: involved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but are there part, I know when we spoke, Marina, were there parts of the country that were still sort of uh, less involved in the day-to-day yeah. strikes that were going on and things like that?
1: Right, yeah, it's a big country, right? So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> some people might know Ukraine is bigger than France. Yeah. It's the largest country in in Europe, and so uh, unfortunately, people who are suffering immensely are those who are in the eastern part of Ukraine, mm-hmm. right, where actual military you know Actions. action is taking place. Yeah. everyone else um, is removed. They are exposed to airstrikes on right. a daily basis, right, by drones or rockets and so on, and um, the system of um, that makes people aware, right, of the danger from the air is very developed and I think that people can at least this is what I saw this summer when I visited my family is that people were really attached to their cell phones, right? And cell phones would mm. let them know what is coming their way. And based on that, people would make a judgment whether or not they were going to go to the bomb shelter or they were going to just go on and continue with whatever they were doing. Yeah, I think the law is that when there is an air raid, people have to... well individual citizens can make their own decisions, but businesses, schools, things like that have to stop. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to then seek shelter. Yeah. So um.
0: I know, and Luda, maybe you could tell us about this, or Marina, you had mentioned when we were speaking at one point that when, um, even at this point, as students, young students, think about elementary students or or school students are going to school, they're often now also carrying with them uh, like an extra bag or a supply Mm -hmm. bag or some Mm -hmm. extra things. Um, that's just heartbreaking to think about yeah
2: I still have my colleagues in my school and and they tell me that uh, during this air raids they have to take their kids and go to downstairs to the air shelter and continue lessons there oh my goodness Yeah, so they they stay there and uh, they wait till the end of the air raid so, yeah. especially those, it's it's difficult, especially for the classes. Um, uh, for the for, for the classes with, where the like elementary classes, yeah, yeah. because you have to. Uh, sometimes it's not only one hour. Sometimes it two, three hours, uh, and you have to somehow entertain those kids. Yes. Yeah, so I you have to imagine. do something. So, uh, and try to it's... keep them quiet
0: too, probably. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> not sort of. not always, <laughs> but you have to do something um, with yeah. those kids. You know, you you cannot they are closed in.
0: Right. Those. I, I know it, it's kind of a, an interesting commonality but so uh, Marina, I, your your daughter, uh, my daughter and and your son are all pretty mm-hmm. close in age actually so we're out of some of the younger years mm-hmm. which are um, the, the very you know little kid kind of mm-hmm. years we say uh, and now starting to just almost get to the teenage years but I, it's just um, yeah it's so hard to think about that right and, and taking kids of uh, of younger children especially who have a very hard time understanding probably what's going going on, Mm -hmm. you know, and and trying to continue on the day to day is Mm -hmm. a real, that's a real grind. Uh, The one word that came to my mind, and as we were talking about the rebuilding in Bucha that happened and some of those things, but also clearly what's happening in Ukraine and seeing and just hearing stories is that there is just an enormous amount of um, determination in the country, uh, and also pride of the Ukrainian people, obviously, uh, and it makes sense to fighting for independence, right. Um, but also that that is sort of a very much an overwhelming theme that I think we hear about if you follow a lot of stories. Um, do either of you have thoughts on that just in, in, in a kind of general level with the Ukrainian people? or those that are fighting I guess mm-hmm. I should say I, and again so your family and obviously uh you and your son were able to come but of course uh men of uh you know an adult age were not are not allowed to leave the country as well yeah. right i guess they're there could be there to to mm-hmm. serve right um
1: Yeah i can speak about it a little and maybe mm-hmm. you can gather your thoughts yeah. if you wanted mm-hmm. to contribute but i think that when i speak to my friends and family who are in ukraine they truly do not have interest uh, in leaving the country. The ones who, those people who wanted to or felt like they had to or there was nothing left for them to stay for already did, right? So at this point, two years in, um, you know, things that, for example, my friend told me just recently. It's like, there's absolutely no way I'm going to go anywhere. you know. Mm-hmm. So she is a, a woman, right? So the border is open for her. So men between the age of 18 and 60 aren't allowed to leave the country because of the mobilization mm-hmm. rules and laws that Ukraine had to put in place in order to staff the army. As you know, yeah. Ukraine is much smaller than Russia, and yeah. Russia has almost an unlimited human resource as far as feeding their military machine. And, of course, one has to wonder how those soldiers live with themselves, right? But that's maybe a different story. For Ukrainians, it's an existential fight, Mm -hmm. you know? So, our army is not – not everyone there is a professional soldier with Mm -hmm. training, right? Most of it is truly just people, you know, men, women – who um maybe didn't see any other way but to take up arms right and somebody has to do it yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so they're fighting just simply to protect their families and when that is the case maybe it's not a hard decision right you know what i mean maybe yeah. you just don't have a choice and so you do what you have to do yeah um and you know one thing that my <laughs> my friend told me the other day a different friend she has a son who is maybe 20 21 uh-huh. and a husband who's under 60, wow. right? And then a little baby who is like three, All uh-huh. right. So, of course, she thinks about both her son and her husband as those younger men who are candidates for the army service at this dangerous mom moment. And she told me that her son, you know, told her that it's okay, mom, you know, and like he's ready. You know, if he's cold, then... He'll just do it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, she doesn't want that to happen for him as a very young man, you yeah. know, who has a whole life ahead of him and zero professional training and right. doing anything related right. to the military service. But I think, unfortunately, people had to learn how to be okay Mm -hmm. with that degree of danger
0: yeah well it has to be an incredibly difficult time for people of that age I mean of everybody but thinking of that age too where your schooling your education has certainly come to probably kind of a halt even if you're completing uh whatever level that would be a kind of a high school or Mm -hmm. a a, your final school before a university you know um and what that looks like and I can't imagine you know inside the country it would still be very difficult to be making that transition into adulthood or a professional career of any kind right Mm -hmm. it's very very hard to think about. Yes. Um, well, one thing I do want to talk about before we wrap up the show, uh, and Marina, you've talked about, uh, you and, and I have talked about this in the past in a couple of different ways. I am going to put a link into the show notes um, that is a page from the U.S. Department of State. And it's a fact sheet page that I think is is a really excellent document that if people are or aren't very familiar, um, really just breaks down a lot of different resources for understanding um, kind of what is going on in Ukraine and also then what the, what the options are for sort of um, if People feel like they want to help support uh, different things. And that's everything from sort of NGO uh, organizations, non governmental organizations, and nonprofits, um, things that people would recognize, like the Red Cross or UNICEF, um, to the World Central Kitchen or the WHO, some of those things. But it also talks about um, trauma resources, uh, you know, for those who are connected or or those things, Um, hosting programs like we've talked about, uh, you know, the Uniting for Ukraine program, visa information, all those types of things. So I'll put that link in the show notes. But for From either of you as well, um, just on kind of the levels that you are both at and work at, are there ways that you have or can think of that people can help support um, even yourselves directly or on a bigger picture with Ukraine and what is going on?
1: Yeah, feel free to jump in, Lyuda. But from, you know, one of the amazing things that I will actually uh, talk about during the Padea lecture is the grassroots kind of organizing Mm -hmm. uh, that has been so widespread throughout Ukraine because of what I just mentioned right because those are like your dad or your brother or Mm -hmm. your neighbor you know or some your co-worker's son right so because of that people do organize and volunteer a lot so the ways in which I have been able to help and oftentimes that is with funds that the Quora community has given me and trusted me with to then send on to those really people on the ground, you know. So someone needs money for gas because they are driving this van to the front line, you know, to feed either homeless animals or humans, you know, Mm -hmm. mainly humans, of course, uh, you know, or send some uh, like literally ibuprofen, you know, to the soldiers who are, Sleeping in trenches, uh, you know. So, so, so the ways in which I have been helping were more direct. Yeah. Um. You know, because I am connected to so many families. Um, Absolutely. In Ukraine. Um, there are many reputable organizations, mm-hmm. however, and the one that I have been most closely, I guess, connected with is the one that allowed me to conduct ethnographic fieldwork research mm-hmm. with one of their subgroups, and it's called Zachist, which means protection, mm-hmm. and it's a very reputable organization of volunteers in Hmelnitsky mm-hmm. in our hometown. Yes, um, Some of my closest friends volunteer with them, and they have also been working since 2014 because of course this war started a while back this is the full-scale invasion but the war started in you know years ago
0: yes very very long history absolutely Mm -hmm. Uh, luda any other thoughts
1: Mm. yeah no no, i would support this
0: Absolutely, yeah. it's amazing. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come and talk with us. I know you're here for the presentation at Luther mm-hmm. and part of Paideia. Uh It's a really just a pleasure to meet both you and your son. Um, I would ask one more fun question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a, you know what we're talking about is not a very light subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is intense, but I would ask: Is on just the lighter side of things, has there been something that either or both of you maybe have enjoyed uh, since coming to the U.S.? I know Marina, we about in the past where you, uh, as a younger person in university, actually studied in the U.S. Um, you know, so you'd been to the U.S. a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You had some opportunities. Luda, this is a, your first trip to the U.S., right?
2: Yes, uh, that's my first trip. Yeah,
0: and, and what a time to have made that. Is there something that has been um, fun or enjoyable for you in the U.S. in this time when there's so much other things going on or that's been very heavy for you?
2: Um fun i don't know maybe traveling trying to see something and yeah. uh, and you know learning how to do lots of things myself like mm-hmm. um I don't know. Like maintain
1: your bicycle, for example. You, she, oh, she, yeah, she was telling me how she her. had to watch a bunch of YouTube videos in order to figure out how to
2: <laughs> use course. oil and that's adjust true. the that,
1: brakes and that's things That's what I learned.
2: I've never, well, I did some many many years ago but you know i maintain i learned how to maintain my bike myself
0: i I love that and i know that i mean while you've been here too you have of course you you know you're a refugee and you're here and and that is the experience but you're also having to you know sort of um find your way through the systems still of being here oh yeah and, and doing those things and of course you have some guidance but that's still a lot of a lot of work along the way a
2: lot of new things A lot of new things. You know, it was uh, at the beginning of uh, my being here, I thought that I actually do not know English. (laughs) 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 I didn't understand um, a lot of people. I thought that I... I cannot speak. You know, I maybe I learned a different English. And
0: you're and you're also living in the the sort of the southeast part of the United States, right? So that's a whole other sort of dialect of English, (laughs) too. Every, you know, oh my goodness, yes, I can't imagine. Uh, That's that's yeah, yeah, very much. Well, we certainly appreciate your time and sharing your story. Uh, It's an incredible story. We wish uh, you and your son all of the luck as you figure out your path uh, going towards the summer and, and you. making your, your return to Ukraine um, and of course I'd love to love to keep up through Marina or, or however we can over, over time and uh, wish you all the best absolutely yeah
2: thank you so much
0: thank you for being here and thanks Marina for sharing as well um, my guest today uh, Marina Nading a professor of anthropology at Luther College uh, and Luda uh, Skorlupina uh, who is uh, from Bucha Ukraine and here as uh, part of a presentation through Luther's Paideia program Program and uh, we uh, appreciate uh, all of your time and, and help today. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: You have been listening to Rhymes with Decorah, a podcast project of Inspired Media. You can find us online at iloveinspired.com. You can also find all 50 shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Clean iTunes, Spotify, uh, or at Decora.fun. Let's just uh, throw it in the link, Decora.fun, and you'll pull up a a player with all the different shows. Check them all out there. Uh, Thanks for being here. As always, it's Rhymes with Decora. If you've enjoyed the music on today's show, it is the work of Mr. Nick Zielinski. He is a drummer. He's a decoran, great guy, and a musician. Might have another show coming up with Nick here in the near future as well, but he has produced all the music for this show, and we appreciate his efforts. Find him online at Indicative of Drumming. Thanks for being here. Rhymes at Decora.
2: Rhymes with Decorah is a project of Inspired Media. Find us online at iloveinspired.com.